Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to double your first deposit. Only at MyBookie.ag. And also, kick off the 2022 athletic season with the Gator Collective. Join us for an evening mixer this Friday with current and former athletes and coaches, along with over 200 Gator fans to kick off the 2022 athletic season. This Friday night, 5 to 8 p.m., headlined by Shannon Snell, D. Webb, Major Wright, Zach Carter from the football side, Coach O'Sullivan, Coach Golden will be there as well, and superstars from other sports. There's also a chance to win a football signed by Coach Napier. Members, it's $50 to get in. Non-members, $65. Kids under 12 get in free with the purchase of an adult ticket. But there's more. Buying a ticket enters you into a two-hour tour of the new football facility. Finger foods and appetizers are provided by Shannon Snell, so cash bar available as well. Friday night, September 2nd, 5 to 8, kick off the season with the Gator Collective. Purchase with the link in the description. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me tonight to kick off the season, co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readandreaction.com, and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. Will, we made it. Florida. Utah, Saturday night. We've talked about all we could about this offseason. Billy Napier coming in, big first game, but it's finally, finally game week. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. There's still a tailgate to get through to say we actually made it because, you know, there have been a few people to be known, sort of stragglers to be left behind there at the, at the Harmonic Woods tailgate. So you got to watch out there. But, uh, yeah, obviously, this is, this is what we live for, right? I mean, you and I are football fanatics first and foremost. We talk about recruiting. We talk about the off-field stuff. We talk about philosophy and all those different things. But when it really comes down to it, this is what we're excited about. This is what we love doing. We love breaking this stuff down and, and you know, 
there's nothing better than than September to January when you go all the way through the season, get to see sort of the ebbs and flows of of everything that goes on during a Gator season. And hopefully, you know, there will be more be be more positives and negatives this year. But but we're going to be there for the entire thing, and it's it's exciting as we kick off this new era, the Billy Napier era at Florida. Um, you know, to be to have this forum to be able to talk about it. So it's just exciting to get the game going, get the games going. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be there. So that even, that makes it even better. Absolutely. We'll coming in this weekend. We'll be tailgating, uh, having a good time. If I can hopefully get better by then, if you probably can hear it, my voice, I do not feel great right now. I'm going to power through this uh, episode here. So you can probably hear it, my voice. If you're watching YouTube, I can see it as well, but I'm going to get everything all lined up for you for Gators versus Utes before we get started. 10,000 subscribers. We are not that far away. I think it's 30 or 40 subscribers left right here on YouTube to go. I gave that deadline of the first game of the season to get there. We're very close. This might be the video that gets it done. So subscribe. Like while you're here as well. When you subscribe, you get those notifications when Gators Breakdown goes live or there is a new episode out there. And check us out, Gators Breakdown Plus. Extra episodes there this week. Q&A session coming up this week on Gators Breakdown Plus. Keep the conversation going in the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord there as well. So, all right, Bill, let's get started, man. Billy Napier speaks to the media today uh, on Monday ahead of the, the big game versus Utah. And here's Napier on what he thinks of the Utes. We've got a formidable opponent this week. You know, we've got tremendous amount of respect for Utah and the brand of football uh, that they play on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, very fundamentally sound group. Uh, they play with effort. They're, they're tough. Um, they've been a very consistent performer in the Pac-12 and certainly admire the program that Coach Whittingham has built there. So, um, you know, our team... Looks forward to the challenge and the opportunity. And I think it's healthy. Um, I think it gives you a little bit of an edge when, when there is respect there. Um, you know, you'd like to think that each team performs independent of the opponent. I think there is. And we'd like to get to a place around here where we're, you know, our, our preparation um, is really the same independent of who we play or where we play, if that makes sense. I mean, it's just a different set of variables. But I do think that we all have some human nature in us, and I think it's healthy for our players and the, you know, the entire staff that we play a team that's well-regarded out there that has significant success uh, in the past and brings back a lot of really good players. So, um, you know, this is a heck of a football team. There's a reason why they're a top ten you know, ranked team and won their conference championship. And, you know, if you think about it, a few losses they had were independent before the quarterback change, right? So this is a really accomplished group with a lot of veteran players coming in here Saturday. Big game, game one, Will. And I like what Napier said, you know, hopefully we get to the point to kind of where we measure up against ourselves. And, you know, we, we set a standard that we know uh, a benchmark to get to, but, Early on in his tenure, top 10 team comes to the swamp. Utah brings back an experienced quarterback, brings back an experienced running back, tight ends. Uh, same for the defensive side of the ball as well on the back end. Got some questions for placing Devin Lloyd at linebacker, but healthy, uh, Napier says a healthy test for the Gators. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's a top 10 team. Florida, obviously, that's where Florida wants to get. I mean, consistently, you want to be a top 10 team, and even more if you have the opportunity to be. And and truly, I mean, you think about Alabama, and they only measure themselves against themselves, right? I mean, Alabama, if they don't win the national title, then that's an unsuccessful season. And as weird as that sounds, that that's where Florida wants to be, right? Florida wants to be at that space. They're not there yet. And this is a measuring stick and very early on, but a measuring stick in terms of where the program is and what work still needs to be done or, you know, the progress that has been made since last year's team, if they can go out there and get the job done and get a win. So, you know, look, I I think you, the 2017 season sort of fell off the rails after the initial game against Michigan. That's not usually the way these things work. So there's still a lot to play for regardless of what the outcome of this game is. But, you know, it is nice to play to not play, you know, uh, uh, North Texas or, or Middle Tennessee State or something like that to start off the year. You start off with Utah right away. We ha- we've had all this anticipation leading up to the game. And then, like you said, I mean, look, it's not just rising. I mean, you think about Tavion Thomas, ran for 1,100 yards. You think about TJ Pleasure, Pleasure almost ran for 700, averaged 6.7 yards per rush. Micah Bernard averaged 6 yards a rush. And then even rising averaged 6.7 yards per rush. So this is a team that's going to be able to put the ball on the ground. And certainly with the challenges that Florida has at defensive tackle, this is a challenge for Florida. They're going to have to step up and step right up to it if they expect to win the game. Well, talking to – I saw some Utah fans on, on Twitter, and they're worried about, on defensive side of the ball, kind of the same worry we are. They're worried about replacing Devin Lloyd uh, at linebacker and then looking up front and saying, hey, our size doesn't match up with Florida's offensive line all that great. So uh, both teams kind of worry about the same positions, just a little bit different worry there. Uh, and you know, there was – with all this coming out, the, the press conference is coming out today from the Utah side and the Gator side, we're starting to get a little – intermingling between the fan bases a little bit. So looking forward to uh, a Saturday there, of course. But, yeah, well, I, I am torn on this one with a first-year head coach. I'm probably in, you know, and I've said it before plenty of times, I hate the cupcake games. But, you know, you'd like to ease into this one just a little bit. But as, as Billy Napier has said, it, it's healthy. It sets an edge to the team. You hit the ground running. But maybe first year trying to figure out all these new things – North Texas may not be such a bad idea. (laughs) I mean, I I guess. I mean, a lot of it depends on whether you have a young team coming back or whether it's an experienced team coming back. And Anthony Richardson is probably the least experienced player when you really think about the guys that they have on both sides of the ball in terms of, think of Pearsall and Shorter and Henderson. Those guys have all gotten a ton of snaps. Think about the five guys up front of the offensive line. Those guys have all gotten a ton of snaps. Montrell Johnson got a ton of snaps. Maybe at the tight end, when you think about Xanders and Zipper, that's maybe a space where you where there needs to be some development. But even on the defensive side of the ball, Gervon Dexter, Brenton Cox, even Desmond Watson got quite a few snaps last year. The second Secondary had a ton of snaps. Now, linebacker, I think you could argue maybe, but again, Ventral Miller and Amari Bernie have gotten a lot of snaps. So this is not an inexperienced Florida team that's coming in here. Yes, they're having to learn a new system, but they're experienced in terms of what speed is. And these guys were able to compete against Alabama last year when things were clicking early in the year. Obviously fell behind quite a bit to start with, but then came roaring back. Nobody on that offensive line is going to be afraid of the defensive line to Utah. They pushed around Alabama last year. And so, you know, that's the kind of tape that I expect that that Napier will have been showing these guys. And then, yeah, you're going to add guys like Lorenzo Lingard. You're going to you hopefully have Naquan right back healthy. Maybe Trevor Etienne gets an opportunity to, to shine if and gets a few carries and can pop one. 
know, you've got some new guys. Maybe Marcus Burke steps up or Caleb Douglas steps up, steps up at wide receiver. But, you know, for the, for the vast majority of what Florida is going to do here, it's going to be guys we're familiar with. And so I think the task for Napier is to get those guys playing consistently, get those guys playing disciplined football. But the idea that those guys are, you know, that they can't switch systems, that they can't learn what's going on. And let's be honest, I think especially on the defensive side of the ball, the the scheme wasn't necessarily anything to write home about. And so we're it's a welcome change to a new scheme this year. So I'm excited to see it right away. I get it. I mean, you want to start out one and oh. It's nice to go out with a confidence with a confidence uh building win. You look at Florida State with Duquesne this past weekend, goes out and boat races them. But I mean, what did that prove to Florida State? It proved that they can go out against a physically inferior team and beat them. Now, certainly the Knolls have struggled with that in the past. Florida hasn't really struggled with that. I mean, outside of the Sanford game where you know it seemed like uh, the head coach and some of the players had sort of mailed it in at that point, this team has not struggled in those games the way a team like Florida State has or something like that. So I look at it and I say, this is a great measuring stick. You come out of the and, – and I think Napier sort of alluded to it that the game ends up being part of your preparation that everybody knows you got to hit the ground running, which means you can't take days off in practice. It means you can't take reps off in practice. And it means all the stuff that the coach is reinforcing throughout the off season, hopefully rings true because you're headed into this big game to start with. Whereas if you were playing Duquesne to start the season, you could get away with being a little bit lazy on a few reps and still go out and win the game. And that's not going to happen against Utah. Yeah, well, kind of to extend that thought, Billy Napier on Monday, we don't get the depth chart today. And he said, hey, look, the kind of the battles are still going on. We'll give it out Wednesday. We'll practice for a few days and we'll give you the two deep then. He goes, it'll give you something to talk about. You know, probably don't go too deep into it. But at the same time, yes, there's competition with this team still going on. He mentioned at the last press conference, competition is going to be going on into the season as well. He says, but, you know, a depth chart on Wednesday is much better than a depth chart on Monday because it has a couple of days of practice. Get it together. Then we'll give it to you. So uh, it was a pretty nice exchange there for, from Billy Napier, but explaining why. You know, usually this first Monday of the first game, we get our first depth chart and we get to break it down, even though it doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, and But Billy Napier says Wednesday when I'll be depth chart day uh, for the Gators. So all right, let's extend with Billy Napier a, a, a bit and taking his first game experience from previous stops and applying it to this year. I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, you know, I think that a lot of openers, uh, there's a lot of them that are lost, more than one, if that makes sense. You know, I think you spend a lot of time thinking about all your game day processes, making sure that they're game ready. Uh, there's a lot of things that go with that. But um, we have those things built in, our, our training camp, if that makes sense. We do, we've done a lot of mock situations to prepare for this week. Uh, I do think there's some things, you know, it's important in a game week that you set priorities, that you avoid clutter. Um, you know, I think you got to really focus on control and distractions, you know, and I think we're trying to do that for players and staff, right? I mean, my wife, she's burning me up last night with questions about game day. So, uh, but I think it's important that we set priorities. We've got a very specific plan to get ready. It does help. You know, I've told you guys this many times before. I don't know um, that I would feel as prepared or have a certain level of confidence without those four years of doing that. You know, um, the good thing is we have a, a good core group of people in the building that have been with us at some point 
maybe not all four of those years, but maybe three of the four, one of the four, two of the four, and they understand our expectations uh, in terms of the detail and the timeliness and uh, how we operate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, good point there by Napier because you go back and look at all the staff hires and personnel hires, and a lot of them have previous experience with Billy Napier. So that does make preparing for the first game a bit easier. Of course, Patrick Tony, at defensive coordinator, coming in, plenty of experience there at Louisiana uh, with Billy Napier along the offensive line, those coaches as well. Jaluk uh, as running backs coach. I mean, there's plenty of experience that, you know, it's not all new for this Florida Gator staff. Uh, but I also want to go back to – Friday Night Lights and Ryan O'Hara, I spoke with him just for a few minutes before it got started. He's an offensive analyst, helps Billy Napier with the quarterbacks. And recruiting this weekend, all unofficial visits, some big, big names on campus, Florida hitting a home run, but with unofficial visits because they want to learn what a game day is like at Florida. They want to know the timing. They want to know all the logistics that go into recruiting and hosting visitors for an official visit weekend before they start bringing them in for those things. So, I mean, there's a ton of commits, current commits for the Gators uh, visiting this weekend as well. But four-star offensive lineman, Caleb Lemieux from Arizona, uh, he's going to be making his trip to Gainesville. You know, Florida's desperately looking for more offensive line commits in, in this class. Big five-star Cormani McLean would be on campus. Four-star cornerback Dijon Johnson would be uh, or is expected on campus as well. So some big names, all the commits here for Florida, but unofficial visits till they get to figure out what it's like on game day in Gainesville. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe this is why we want North Texas for the first week so they could figure out the official visit um, calendar and coordination and all that stuff for when they've got, um, you know, a, a minor game on campus. Because I'm not sure you're going to get an atmosphere like you're going to get against this Utah team, um, you know, too often unless you're putting together, you know, 9, 10, 11 win seasons all that often. This is going to be electric. I mean, the place is going to be sold out. Everybody's excited for the Napier era, Napier era to start. Again, I think it does point to their attention to detail and making sure that they do things right. At the same time, I am sort of looking at it going, oh, man, I wish we had one before so they could sort of dry run against the cupcake. And then when the Utah game hits, now everything goes. But uh, look, I mean, the Kentucky game the week after is going to be the same way, especially if they can get a win against Utah. You get a win against Utah, the hype and the buzz and all that stuff for that Kentucky game, especially after the way Florida lost the game last year, I think sets it up to have some really cool official visits over the next couple of weeks as, as things move forward. But, uh, you know, look, I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good sign that they're not reaching to make sure they have people there on campus for, for official visits. They're going to do it right. And I think that if, if there's one thing from Billy Napier that we've seen and that we've learned, it's that he's process over results, at least to start with, and he wants to do things the right way. And so this is just one more indication of that. Yeah, I mean, four stars uh, as well. I mean, five-star from 24, uh, edge rusher TJ Capers on campus. Four-star linebacker Miles Graham committed. So he's getting around a bunch of other 2024 kids as well early in the process. So just, I mean – if I'm looking at it, I'm at least 30 names on campus there for Florida looking at a list here. So Florida hitting it big with unofficial visitors 
we'll see where it goes uh, as far as the season goes. It looks like that Kentucky game, LSU game later in the season for the big official visit weekends. LSU, of course, that's, that's a game that's kind of been circled so far as bringing in a bunch of official visitors. Florida going to learn early in the season through the Utah and the Kentucky games how best to handle recruiting and official visits. So, all right, let's go to some players now, Will, and Dante Zanders on playing defense, applying what he learned on defense to help him on offense playing the tight end position. With our old scheme, we used to drop and we would, like, slant inside and everything. So, like, I can see from their their body language, if they're like, what they're doing, if they're going to drop, if they're going to um, – rush around the edge if they're going to try to come inside. And also helped me be more physical. I felt like when I first came in that tight end, my confidence wasn't as high as it is now because I wasn't really like, I was a smaller guy. I wasn't really as big as like the defensive ends that we used to play against. And so playing defense and just hitting every day during practice and banking with offense and tackles and each other just built my confidence to tight end to help me with my blocking. What can fans expect to see from this offense on Saturday, you think? An explosive offense, something that like we – how can I explain it? We got a lot to show, especially after last season. We got a lot to prove, and not even to the fans, not even to people around the world, to ourselves, that like we worked hard during spring, worked hard during this whole offseason, during fall camp. We got a lot to show. So, How would you compare your preparedness, how you feel right now about it, to previous seasons? Uh, I feel pretty good. Um, Coach Napier really emphasizes like a 4D structure, making sure each player like also knows their position as well as like the the assignment and the scheme of everything, not just like, oh, I need to block this guy. So if something happens and it's not the look that I'm used to, I'm like, oh, now do I need to block because I know. It's going to be real physical. What, what do you expect from this run game just in terms of being able to control the ball, set the tone? For, for what you're going to be able to do on offense? Um, I feel like our run game is going to be pretty solid. We Our offensive line improved a lot from last year with Coach Sell and Coach Stapleton. And just in our general, our alignment, like our linemen, they got bigger, they got faster, they got stronger during this offseason training. They got smarter with all the 4D training and learning multiple things. So not only do they know their position, they also know what um, the other people need to do. They also know how to read the fronts better and who's the Mike linebacker, and if it rotates, they know how to switch it on the fly rather than just like, oh, I'm confused. as in the middle of taking my steps. Well, a lot of good stuff there for the offense. Explosive, physical, uh, two key words there. I think we like to hear for this Gator offense and not happy with what they put on the field last year. Uh, but, you know, kind of going along with tight end, saying he's a 4D player now He no, or – like would like to be a 4D player. You know, he's, I think he said later on uh, that he that he's a 3D player, uh, or Amari Bernie might say that, but I think he goes on to say, you know, he's not at that 4D level yet, but he's close to it. He doesn't know everything that he has to know. And look, I mean, we don't expect all that's new right now, uh, but the differences uh, in, in this team moving forward, they do feel more prepared. Of course, we expect to hear that. Everything's rosy right now for the Gators going into this first game of the season. Uh, but, you know, pinpointing right there what he likes to see from this offensive line and then kind of just knowing the offense and knowing what to do goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing there that I listen to is the the part where he talks about 
knowing who the Mike linebacker is, knowing how to adjust when the look is different than what you've seen so far. And you think about the mistakes that were made last year, the false starts, not being able to adjust at Kentucky to the crowd noise or the snap count, not being able to adjust until it was too late against or against Alabama, not being able to adjust against Georgia when, when it became clear that Georgia was going to be really physical and that they were going to have to make some adjustments. And just that, that I think is the story of last year is an inability to make adjustments once a team was able to take away what they wanted to do. And when they were able to run the quarterback specifically, Specifically, when Emory Jones was able to run, the offense was really, really effective last year. But when the defense was able to hold him in check, well, all of a sudden things started to, started to slow down. So what I heard there, I think, is that they're going to have multiple ways to attack and that they're going to be able to make adjustments on the fly without having to necessarily regroup on the sideline, that everybody knows what the assignment is. So even if the defense does something a little bit weird, even if the defense decide, you know, if they come out, if they've shown 3-4 all year long and they come out in a 3-3-5, okay, we know what we're going to do because we know not just the assignment of the guy across from us, but we know the assignment of everyone in our general area. So look, I mean, I think that's the way everybody should teach the game. But, uh, um, you know, the fact that these guys are getting that now, getting that instruction now, the fact that he pointed to not just the guys being physically stronger, but that he pointed to them being smarter, I think is is significant, right? I think these guys hopefully are more confident in what they're doing going into this season. And again, I mentioned it earlier, they have a ton of experience. So it, it's sort of like when you when you, if you go and work for a couple of years before you go to college, well, all of a sudden those college classes make a lot more sense. Whereas if you take the college courses and then go to work, it's like, oh, I wish I'd paid more attention. I feel like in some ways that's kind of what this is from a football perspective is these guys have been on the field. They've put in the blood and the sweat, but now you've got someone coming in and sort of teaching you um, a brand new scheme, obviously, but a new way to think about the game. And you can apply the mistakes that you've made up until this point to that teaching. And I think that's going to be a valuable thing for these guys. Yeah, we didn't hear that type of detail uh, with this team on the previous staff. And as we said, you know, there were some good performances from this offensive line uh, last year, early in the season. But we didn't hear this level of detail uh, with the whole team. So, uh, and also, you know, one reason, I guess, you know, Xander's pointing it out, one reason he's been able to successfully make that transition, he played defense. He knows what to look for there. So, not only is his athleticism paying off to be a weapon at a tight end position, but knowing how to play defense and then reading defenders uh, and what they're doing, seems like it's going a long way there with Xanders as well. One more sound bite from Dante Xanders, and uh, this one's going to make Will Miles happy. If you've been uh, listening to Gators Breakdown for a very, very long time, go back to some early days and Will's uh, affection for Kadarius Tony trying to play the quarterback position, well... This might, uh, this might make Will happy just a bit. His leadership role and his confidence. Uh, you can see him work, working with Coach Napier and him learning his progressions. And as I stated, like the 4D Gator, he, like, you can see all of that rise. What's the excitement level just to watch him, though? Because we've heard about the leadership and the intangibles. But, I mean, everyone, ourselves included, want to see him out there and what kind of plays he's making and running and throwing. What do, you, what do you expecting to see from him this season? Especially great things. The only thing I could say about Anthony, see how everybody was crazy about Kadarius Tony and how he can stop and do all that stuff. That's he's Kadarius Tony at the quarterback position. You know, he got an arm on him. He do incredible throws back off his back leg, run everything. So he's just a, he's an incredible player. 
Incredible player. We saw it on little bit of samples last year, Will. You were screaming for Kadarius Tony early on in his career to, to get some play at quarterback. Anthony Richardson, of course, is the Gators quarterback right now. Well, Will, this this might be as close as you get, my friend. <laughs> well, I mean, Tony, Tony turned out pretty good at wide receiver, so <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to complain too much. That 2020 season with him really stepping up there in the slot was, was a whole lot of fun. And certainly Kyle Trask coming in uh, proved a lot of us wrong in terms of his ability to take the reins and, and really take that Gators offense to heights we haven't seen in a really long time. Um, but look, I mean, Tony had skills from the standpoint of he had enormous arm strength. And he had the ability, it seemed like in high school, to find an open guy. And those are the things I look for. I look for, do you make the right decision? And then do you have the arm strength to get it there? And, and are you able to sort of throw a ball that has nice touch when you go deep? And I think those are all things we saw from Richardson on the tape last year. Like you think about the, the thrower, he's drifting left and he hits Copeland like right by the sideline. You think about even the first throw that I think he made against what was a USF where he just sort of popped, you know, he comes in, he, he does one play action fake, throws it deep, hits him right in the bread basket. It's an easy touchdown. Like he doesn't miss those kinds of throws. And a lot of it has to do with, it was really interesting last year for the Alabama game. I was actually there. I was pretty high up and you could see them warming up. And Emory Jones had to create torque with his hips. Like he really had to go sort of, he rotated around his center. And I think that was a big source of some of his, some of his inaccuracy and Anthony Richardson, it's just a wrist flip. I mean, he barely even moves his hips. They're there. He's in the right position, obviously, but he is able to generate so much force with just his wrist and just his arm that he's able to get out of some situations that other people can't. And I do think it makes his deep ball a lot more accurate. So um, he's going to have an opportunity to drop some daggers this year, and I'm really excited to see because I think he has the capability of doing it. I think I saw it in in some of those warm-ups. I think we saw it in very limited fashion in some of the games last year. And then obviously in the LSU game, he sort of took charge. And in the Georgia game, he struggled. I think that's going to be the question is it's a level of consistency. It's not – I mean, we all know he's physically gifted, right? I mean, whether or not he's Kadarius Tony or whether he's, you know, Malik Davis or – or, or not Malik Davis, Malik Willis, or whether he's somebody like that, or you know, what kind of numbers can he put up? I, I think the question isn't what can he do in one game. The question is what can he do over 12 games, and can he remain consistent the entire time? Because as much as we want to sing his praises, the LSU game was followed by that Georgia game, and maybe that Georgia game was fair, maybe it wasn't for that to be his first start, but the reality is we had some pretty high highs and we had some pretty low lows with the Anthony Richardson experience last year, and he's going to have to sort of even that out a little bit or at least get rid of the low side if Florida's going to get to where we want him to get to. Yeah, and it starts right away versus another really good team and another pretty good defense in Utah, so have to hit the ground running. Uh, Billy Napier said a lot of good things about Anthony Richardson today. And it just how much he puts on his plate, Will, uh, and play, puts on the plate of the quarterback position. And he said it started on yesterday, started on Sunday, uh, and just putting a lot on his plate. Up to this point, it's been a lot of install for the entire offense. But now it's more detailed, got a game plan to go for, uh, for, to, forward, to, move, to move forward with against Utah. So a lot more detail as far as the opponent goes coming up for Anthony Richardson. Uh, also, coming up later on Gators Breakdown, we'll get into our popular over-unders and season superlatives uh, as well. We have a lot of fun with those. We get to go back and look at the end of the season uh, with those. But before we get there, one more soundbite from the defensive side of the ball. Let's go to Amari Bernie, and he dishes on the defense, starting with just how much it is, how, how much different it is from the previous defense. It carried over a little bit. Um, some of the ter terminology is different, but um, just the understanding of the defense um, is very easy to understand. 
Uh, once you understand it, though, it kind of gets complex a little bit. Uh, we could say it's very easy, but uh, we try to become 4D players so we know every position so that when we're on the field, we can play faster. Of these tight ends for Utah, the uh, two tight ends. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a good challenge for us. Um, I feel like we're ready though. Um, they got two good tight ends, number eighty and number eighty-six. Uh, number eighty, we've been watching on film. He kind of hybrid tight end, like kind of like Kyle Pitts, if I should say, kind of like how we used him. So um, it's going to be a very good challenge for us. It's following the linebackers, it's following the linebackers, following the safeties. Um, anybody manned up on them, then that's the person that got to guard them feel like this defense matches up with especially an experienced and physical offense that Utah's going to be bringing here? Uh, we got a lot of respect for Utah. Um, they bring in a lot of key players that they had last year back on the team. So um, I feel like this defense is going to match up very well. Uh, PT has prepared us very well for this game. So I feel like we're going to match up. Brought up the 40 Gator scale. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to how that's assessed, kind of what goes into it, and where you stand on it? Um, right now, I would say I'm not a 4D player yet. I'm working my way up there, but I'm like, 3D right now. Um, 1D is just like getting lined up, um, knowing your position. 2D is kind of helping other guys get lined up. 3D is like knowing the people in front of you. And, and 4D just knowing everything that's going on on the field, even what the offense is running. Do you know if there are any 4D Gators on the team already? or? Uh, it's a couple. I'm going to say uh, Big G and probably Ventrell Miller. It's probably 4D right now. Well, it should be no surprise. Jervon Dexter, Ventrell Miller, there's 40 players and Mario Bernie's talking about. It says he's not quite there yet, but not far behind. Look, he's going to play a lot. And these linebackers have their hands full. You heard the talk about the tight ends. Brent Keithy for Utah. I'm telling you, scares the crap out of me, Will, <laughs> right here for this Utah offense. We've seen how Gators linebackers struggle in coverage. They're going to be asked to, not solely, but they're going to be asked to cover at points. And Utah's going to try and get that mismatch. Utah's going to try and get that matchup versus those Gators linebackers until they prove that they can cover better. We've seen Ventrell Miller's struggle covering tight ends in his career so far. Great in run defense. Got to get better there. How much will Utah try and go at him in those, in those certain situations? Uh, Amari Bernie really struggled early, you know, so far in his career covering running backs out of the backfield. We'll see how he handles more tight ends here. Very athletic recruit coming in. Uh, can he you know, take that next step? Uh, he's been showing out in fall camp, been one of the best players in fall camp, been a little bit banged up as well uh, coming, but he says he's 100% right now. But it does look like Miller, Bernie, going to get a lot of playing time. But I would not be surprised, Will, to see a third linebacker on the field at times. Uh, we're going against, you know, Utah will come out with 12 personnel, even 13 personnel at times. So you'll never know how many linebackers you'll see for Florida as well. But he does say going against tight ends like this, you know, Trey Dean's going to have to step up. Uh, Rashad Torrance is going to have to step up there uh, as well as far as safeties goes. So big mismatch, or not mismatch, but a big matchup that we need to look forward to on Saturday night, Will. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the the edict from Napier, the edict from Tony, the edict from literally anybody when it comes to the defensive side of the ball for Florida should just be do your job. These guys are all just as talented, if not more talented, than the Utah players who are out there. And the question is, are they going to be more disciplined? And are they going to be able to do their job at a higher level than the Utah guys who are out there? So, yeah, Utah has some really good tight ends. I mean, you talked about Keithy. He's got 50 catches for 611 yards last year. But that's only 12 yards of reception, right? You think about Dalton Kincaid, 36 for 5'10", 14.2. 
yards per attempt. These are not like downfield threats that turn into, you know, you're not going to get an 80 yard catch from these guys. In fact, if you look at the numbers in terms of where Utah was really effective last year, when they got short fields, that's when they were really effective. So if Florida's offense turns the ball over, if they, if Anthony Richardson gets Richardson gets sacked and the ball comes out and Utah recovers it, that's where you're going to need these guys to really step up against those tight ends. I, I honestly, I think that if Florida can make Utah go 75 or 80 yards the entire game, I'm not sure Utah is equipped to get the big plays, the explosive plays, the same way Florida is. But that comes back to the linebackers don't have to be perfect in coverage. But when they have an opportunity to bring a guy down for, say, an eight-yard gain, you got to bring him down. You can't let him turn it into 24. And, you know, when you have an opportunity to knock the ball down and, and it's, you know, a high point down the middle of the field, you got to get up there and knock the ball down. You can't let him bring it in. You can't interfere. You can't grab onto him, those sorts of things. So, you know, there are going to be a few key plays that happen throughout the, throughout the course of the game. I think the one thing, you know, a lot of people point to the tight end position and say that's a huge mismatch. I look at it and say that's a huge opportunity from the standpoint of Florida's defense is going to bend at different times this year just from the standpoint of – from a sheer athleticism standpoint, there are going to be times where Florida is facing guys who are as athletic or more athletic. But it's it's the question of those old bend-but-don't-break defenses. That That's a truism when it comes to college football specifically. If you can avoid the big plays, then you can have a team that will give up a few points and maybe lose the time of possession battle. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be able to win the game. And, and I think that's what we need to be looking for when we look at these linebackers. They're not going to be perfect. The question is, do they do their job? Are they in the right spot? And then do they make the tackle when they have an opportunity to do it so that these guys average 12 yards a catch rather than 18 yards a catch? Because if they're averaging 18 yards a catch, we're in trouble. But if they average 12 yards a catch, I think that's probably something you just live with and say, look, these are good players. You're not going to shut them down completely. But we minimize the damage that they did and made Utah go the entire field to score. And Will Brandt, Keithy shows that ability as well back in 2019 and didn't go to 2020 because of the COVID year that Utah only played four games that year. In 2019, he had 34 receptions, 602 yards, 17.7 yard average. So there you go. That's what you can't have 2019 Keithy show up in the swamp on Saturday night. Florida's going to have to you know, wrangle him a bit. Experience at the tight end position is Utah. You can best bet you're going to hear Brent Keithy's name or – at least Utah trying to get him the ball. Hopefully not a lot of success there if you're a Gator fan. All right, let's get into some of these fun items that we do every preseason. But before we do, winning season has officially returned. College football is kicking off, and the NFL is right around the corner. Whether you're a season better or a first-timer, my bookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks. All you got to do is head to mybookie.ag, sign up, Use promo code GATERS on your first deposit and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account and you can, you can use your funds to bet on as many as individual games as you want, contests or props, bet on the team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use MyBookie Prop Builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Uh, well, here we go. Over unders for the Gators this year. We have a lot of fun with these. And I'm going in 13 games here. That's kind of where we go with this, you know, the 12 regular season games, add the bowl game in there. Cause you, when you go back and look at a lot of these stats, uh, you know, there is that 13 game unless you play a conference championship game. So 
I guess we could, uh, if we keep it at 13 games, Will, I guess we'll, if Florida makes the SEC championship game, we'll come back uh, after the SEC championship game. So. <laughs> I'm happy to have that problem, Dave. If we got to come back and revisit our over-unders after the SEC title game. I'm, I'm good with that, buddy. All right. So, yeah, we'll set it at 13 games just because, look, we know it's not likely Florida's in Atlanta. But if they are, we'll be set up for it anyway. So, all right, Will, here we go. 30 touchdowns for quarterback Anthony Richardson. All right, you want me to go first on this one? Yeah, you can go first on this one. All right, I got the over, and the reason I have the over is that Jones and Richardson combined for 32 last year, so 25 passing, Mm -hmm. 7 rushing in 2021. Um, But Jones was really bad in the red zone. So he had a 141 QB rating if you subtract Samford from the from the stat line. It was 127 if you subtract Vandy. 127 is a terrible quarterback rating, like just normally. In the red zone, it's absolutely atrocious. Anthony Richardson had a 286 QB rating. Now, he only had seven throws, but he was converting, and he had a rushing touchdown down there in the red zone. So um, you, know, you, you combine that with the fact that Florida's offense was better in 2021 than the actual points scored suggest. And I think you're going to get more touchdowns. And I think those touchdowns are going to come um, from Anthony Richardson. And you think about also Damian Pierce was a big part of the points that were scored down the red zone. He's no longer around. Certainly Johnson and Lingard and Wright are going to get their share. But I think you know, Richardson is the guy who's going to make this thing go. And so I fully expect him to be able to get you know, 32, 33, 34 touchdowns fairly easily over a 13-game schedule, assuming he could stay healthy. Yeah, I'm going over as well. You know, it does worry me, Billy Napier's history and, and his physical brand of football. Excuse me there. Um, you know, if with his running attack, if those take some of the touchdowns away from Anthony Richardson, but in 13 games, as you said, 32 last year between the two quarterbacks, Richardson nine last year in his limited time. I went back, Will, and looked at Levi Lewis there at Louisiana. He had 29 touchdowns in 2019. That was in 14 games. He had 25 last season in 14 games. I think we do expect Anthony Richardson to, you know, definitely has a higher ceiling, has a lot more potential. If he lives up to it, I think the 30 is pretty simple here. Yep, both going over on that one. Yep, over here on 30 touchdowns for Anthony Richardson. All right, well, here's another one, maybe a little more detailed, 3,000 passing yards for Anthony Richardson. Uh, I'm going to go over here to Will, probably by not a whole lot. As I said, the the ground attack probably scares me a bit as far as picking this. Uh, if Florida's run game is going, well, Billy Napier likes to lean on the run game a bit more than what I'm thinking. I think he's going to lean on it a lot, but I also think he's going to lean on Anthony Richardson's potential here. So, yeah, I got over the 3,000 yards. Levi Lewis in 2019, 3,050 yards. That was in 14 games. Uh, so he hit it. One less game that we're going, or one more game that we're going to, and he had twenty nine seventeen in twenty twenty one last season as well. So I do think, as I said, kind of going to the previous one, I expect Anthony Richardson's potential, his ceiling, to be able to hit that since Levi Lewis was really really close. Yeah, so this is the first one we disagree on. I have the oh. under, and I, and I have it for a couple of reasons. One is you look at it, Emory Jones threw the ball 346 times last year. Levi Lewis threw it 391. If you add in the Anthony Richardson throws, basically you end up at about the same clip. So that's probably where we're going to be at. Neither of those guys reached 3,000 yards. Now, Richardson in his career has averaged 8.4 yards per attempt, and so – you're basically right at 3,000 yards. So at 346 throws like Jones, he's at 2,906. So what this comes down to is volume, assuming that he maintains the same efficiency. And I actually suspect that especially early in the year, I think Napier's going to try to shorten games. You think about Jack Miller being on the bench out injured. 
You think about the fact that you have to preserve Anthony Richardson. I think there's he going to try to take the take the air out of the ball, especially you think about Utah coming to the swamp, Kentucky coming to the swamp when it's still ridiculously hot and humid out there. And there's an opportunity there to wear down the opponents and make that be your brand of football. I think Napier's going to try to do that early on. You figure Anthony Richardson, obviously injuries has been a big part of his story. I don't think he's probably I don't think he's like injury prone or anything like that. But over the course of a 12 or 13 game season, there are times where guys are going to get a tweak. And, you know, if you're playing Vanderbilt and you know you play him for maybe a quarter or two until you get ahead, you're playing, you know, Eastern Washington, you play him for a quarter until you get ahead. Those sorts of things I think decrease the likelihood that he gets to three thousand yards. Um just because of the way the offense is set up, and then also because I think there are probably a couple of games, either because of injuries or because of blowouts, that he's going to sit out. Yeah, the early season schedule does make it kind of wary for me too, but I decided to go with the over there. So, all right, here we go, Will. Will the Gators over under average 200 rushing yards? So I have over here. By the way, yeah. Yeah, so I have over here. So they averaged 210 rushing yards in 2021, and now we got somebody who's even more committed to it and has an extra tight end. Um, the whole offensive line is back, and obviously we've talked extensively this offseason about when Ethan White went out, what happened with the offensive line. Well, now you got those five guys back or four guys back, pl- well, three guys back, plus the addition of guys we think are going to be better, right, with Osiris Torrance and with uh, Tarquin there at right tackle. While the often and, and then the big thing to me is that Anthony Richardson averaged seven point nine yards per carry last year. He's going to break two or three big ones, and if he adds, you know, two hundred and fifty, three hundred yards just on three or four rushes um, to the ledger, then all of a sudden averaging two hundred is easy. Heck, Anthony Richardson was averaging like one hundred and fifty yards per rush when he played more than like six snaps a game last year. So I, I suspect that he's going to be a big part of what's going on um, on the offensive side of the ball. Napier's talked about how he's not he's going to do what's what Anthony does well. Like that's sort of the the commentary he's given. And what Anthony Richardson does well is he runs the football. And so I think two hundred is going to be pretty easy for them to get. Yeah, well, I guess I'm ex- I guess I'm expecting an explosive offense if I'm going over here as well. I got Anthony Richardson going three thousand yards passing, and I am expecting at least the average 200-yard rushing as well. So over here, go look at Louisiana, what Billy Napier did there. 194.2 last year, 213 in 2020, 257 in 2019, 218 in, two, uh, in uh, 2018. So, yeah, uh, going back and looking at Billy Napier's history, looking at what Anthony Richardson these, and these, this running back room can bring to the table, over 200 yards rushing, I think the Gators will hit that as well. So, Will, this one was kind of hard because Florida's got a deep running back room. Any Florida Gator running back. So over under running back average 15 carries a game. History says if you go and look at Billy Napier at Louisiana, you hit the under here. The closest under Napier was Trey Regas with 14.7 in 2018. So right there at 15, but no other running back for Billy Napier hit that average of 15 carries a game. So I'm going under. All right, we dis- we disagree again. I'm going over. So Napier ran the ball 40 times per game last season. Even with three guys, that's 15, 15, and 10 as a reasonable distribution when you start talking about 40 carries. Um, I think Naquan Wright is probably going to be used more in the passing game than he's going to be used in the running game. Um, you know, he, he averaged 4.3 yards per attempt last year, 3.9 in 2020. Um, if Wright falters, either due to the injury, obviously he's coming back per, from a pretty significant injury, or ineffectiveness, then you've got Lingard and Johnson as the two sort of bellwether backs. And I do think that 
um, especially with Johnson coming in and the level of trust that Napier has in him, I think there's an opportunity for him or Lingard specifically to take over as sort of that number one back. And that doesn't mean the guy's going to get 32 carries a game or anything like that, but getting 15 to the guy really isn't that really isn't that difficult to do. And you think about Damian Pierce, I mean, we were all upset because he was averaging eight or nine carries a, a game last year. It wouldn't have been that hard to flip four, five, six carries his direction. And I suspect that that's probably what's going to happen this year is that these guys are going to settle into more defined roles. And I think Lingard and Johnson are going to have more significant roles in the running game because of what Napier wants to do with the two tight ends running between the tackles, that sort of stuff. And then I think Naquan Wright's going to be a good change of pace when they want to at least threaten the defense by having somebody who might be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Good stuff there. So, Will, over on the one running back getting 15 carries a game, I got under there. Will, let's start with you here. Any wide receiver over under 45 catches? I got over. I I apparently think there's going to be a pretty explosive offense too. Um, Though in this case, I think this – so the most catches for anyone on Napier's team last year was 37. So you look at it initially and go, well, they spread it around pretty good. Justin Shorter had 41 catches last year. Jacob Copeland had 41 as well. But the question I kept going back to is who? Like if, if you're going to throw the ball 350 times, if you have six guys who are getting regular playing time, getting targeted, that's 35 catches per player. And that's a lot of distributing the ball around. And there just isn't – there aren't a ton of numbers at the receiver position. So, you know, you think about who's going to catch the ball. And I look at it and I think Shorter's going to have an opportunity. I think Henderson may have an opportunity. I think Pearsall definitely is going to have an opportunity. Certainly those guys are going to have to stay healthy. But you think about it. A couple of years ago, we sort of, and even last year, somewhat, Mullen would put in his second unit of wide receivers, and it would be four brand new guys. And we'd be like, well, what's going on? It's the first quarter still. Why doesn't he have the original, you know, the starting wide receivers in? Napier doesn't have that luxury. He, he doesn't have four backups that he can put in and get a ton of production from, at least not yet. We haven't seen it. Maybe he has that, but I doubt it. And so I think you're probably limiting yourself to five or six guys at the wide receiver position. And so from the standpoint of if you're going to throw the ball 350, 400 times, the distribution works out that somebody's going to have more than 45 catches. Yeah, I got over two. I think it will be Ricky Pearsall that gets that. Raheem Malone back in 2018 had 44, so that was one short there uh, for uh, at Louisiana. Jamarcus Bradley with 40 that year as well. So two were, that were pretty close in 2018 for uh, Billy Napier. Uh, Malone had 60 the year after. So there is a history mo- that Billy Napier will find one receiver, get it to him if they show that ability uh, there. So as you said, we last year only 37. The ball was spread out about among about five receivers there for Louisiana. Uh, but I still think with what Florida has, as you said, I think as long as they're healthy, Pearsall, Shorter, Henderson, Whittemore are going to be on the field a lot. There's going to be your main four, fill in with some other guys. One of those guys, I'm picking Pearsall here uh, to get over 45 catches. That will offense, 35 points per game over under here. Uh, at Louisiana, 34 points per game in 18, 38 in 2019, 33.6 in 20, 31.1 last season. They Went down almost every year Billy Napier was there, Will. Uh, last year, the Gators 30.7. But as I have said, as I have said, I expect this offense to be pretty explosive. I'm going to go over Will right at 36. Hmm. So 35 points per game last year against FBS opponents, at least, would have been 20th overall in the country. 
Um, I don't think they're quite that good. I, I think uh, so. Two things. I think the offense actually moved at a clip last year that would have been around 36 points per game last year if their yards per play had actually matched their points per game total. Um, I think that should be improved with Richardson. The problem is, is twofold. One, the schedule's harder. And so they're going to be playing better teams. And also then you got to ask the question, does Napier take the air out of the ball and sort of muck things up, especially early on? So I actually expect the offense to be more consistent, but I think we're probably looking at more like 33 points per game. So I'm taking the under there. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. Well, I actually did have under on my list. Um, but You, know, you got excited. Going, I did. I got excited. I'm going under there as well. Um I got a text message right quick, so I had to look at that. Uh, And, you know, got a lot going on uh, right now. Excuse me there. Uh, All right, let's move to the other side of the ball there, Will, and we'll go to the defense. 20 points per game. This one was pretty difficult uh, to go along his uh, trying to figure out this defense. I'm going to go over. They they, they, They give over 20 points per game. Gave up almost 27 points per game last season, so it would be a touchdown improvement there. Uh, you know, to, to get kind of close to this for the Gators. Uh, Napier's first season at Louisiana, the defense gave up a whopping 34.2 points per game. Well, Florida's 2020 defense was at 30.8. So, yikes, that was uh, four points worse than Billy Napier's first season at Louisiana. But here's the thing about that stat. They gave up even more the year before Napier with 40 points per game. So a six-point improvement year one uh, when you go back and look at Billy Napier's first-year first defense. Tony didn't take over until 2020, uh, but the year before that in 2019, there was a huge improvement again, only 19.7 points per game given up by Tony that year uh, or in 2019 before um, Tony took over. Uh, So, and then a two touchdown improvement, Tony takes over uh, a COVID year of 2020 for 22 points per game and then 18 and a half last season. But I'm looking here with with, uh, over, I'm probably looking at that 22, 23 points per game. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm in the same place. They gave up, like you said, 26.8 points per game last year. The underlying metrics were pretty much in line with that performance, whether you look at EPA, whether you look at yards per attempt. And the thing I think is interesting, I looked back over the last 11 seasons, all the way back to when Will Muschamp took over. Six of the last 11 seasons, they've been over 20 points. And four of the last five, they've been over 20 points per game. So in terms of the talent profile of the defense, and one of the things we sort of talked about extensively here is the level of talent that Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain brought in. Those guys on the defensive side of the ball have not been able to drive that point total down below 20 points per game. Now, um, you know, the only year that they were was 2019 when Jonathan Grenard was running loose back behind the line of scrimmage. So, look, Brenton, is it possible? Absolutely. Brenton Cox could run rampant back there. He could be an absolute stud. All of a sudden, you got a guy with 15, 16 sacks. You got somebody the defense is, or the offense is absolutely scared of, which frees up everybody else. And, you know, sort of the, the, the floodgates open and the defense looks way, way better. But I think it's probably more likely that we see a modest improvement with 
a better ability to get off the field, right? So being able to stop more third downs, being able to not be third and Grantham all the time, being able to not be fourth and Grantham all the time, as he showed last year in, in fits and spurts. And really, I think maybe against the better teams, this defense may get may give up significant points. I think the question is going to be when they play the South Carolinas, when they play the Missouris, when they play you know the Kentuckys of the world, are they going to be able to hold those teams to 17, 18, 19 points? Um, and I think they will probably be able to do that. But I think overall for the season, they'll be up over 20. All right here. So let's move forward with the defense. And we're going with last year's number. 37 sacks. That was last year's number. I hit that right on the head last season. So 37 sacks for Florida last season. Uh, 39 for Louisiana last season. So I'm going to go over, Will. I love what Florida has with the options of, with Cox and Sap, Dexter Boone, uh, Human Ellen to help Florida get there. I'm, I'm, going up to, I'm going up to 40 sacks for this Gator defense. I love the options they have there. I like how deep they are. Uh, I, I mentioned – a good bit of names there. Uh, what you know, what scares me there though is the slow start to the season as rising. Well, he, he was protected very well last season at Utah. Didn't Utah's offensive line didn't get up, didn't give up a lot of sacks. So Florida might get off to a slow start. And for me there, you know, they'd have to kind of you know have one of those uh, another eight sack performances versus FSU or something at the end of the year. Yeah, so I'm going under here mainly because if you think about it, we had we knew Zachary Carter was coming back and that he we knew he was consistent. There was a floor for last year's defensive team. I don't know if there's a floor this year. I think you know if Brenton Cox gets injured, who can win the one-on-one battle up front? We don't have a lot of evidence of that. Who can beat a double team up front? We don't really have a lot of evidence for that either. And if somebody gets double teamed, is there someone else who's going to be able to step up and win their battles? You, know, you think about Sap, you think about Eubin Meelan, you think about Powell, those guys, who's going to be able to win those battles? Patrick Tony's going to be able to scheme a few sacks up. Certainly, you know, they'll be able to pad their stats against Eastern Washington and against Vanderbilt and some teams like that. Um, but you know, when the rubber really hits the road in 2018, they averaged 2.9 sacks per game, 3.5 in 2019. Again, that's the Grenard year, and then 2.8 sacks per game in 2020 and 2021 which three of those four years would have been under the 37 sacks based on that per game average. And now you sit there and say, okay, well, it was Grenard, that level of player who was able to sort of open the floodgates. And that's the question. Can Cox be that guy? I think he might be able to be that guy. But I think to take the over here, you're saying he's going to be that guy. And so I'm taking the under. I think maybe – I think Florida will come close. I think they'll definitely be better. But I don't think they're going to cause quite as much havoc behind the line of scrimmage, mainly because I don't think there's going to be a lot of push at defensive tackle, especially if they've got Dexter out at the end. And uh, you know that's going to prevent – like quarterbacks are going to be able to step up in the pocket and the guys coming around the edges aren't necessarily going to be able to get those easy sacks. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I do believe Brenton Cox is going to be that guy, at least for sack numbers. Does he have to get better overall uh, and set the edge in the run game and be a better run defender at the same time? Yeah. But, uh, hey, look, Will, if I go back through history since we've done this, when we've disagreed on the sack thing, I think I usually come out good on that one. So maybe hey, You always went on that one. Maybe there's a good sign there. Maybe there's a good sign there. Um, well, we'll come back after the SEC championship game and yeah. uh, and revisit. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Here we go. That was our over-under, so some superlatives right here to round out this episode. Will, I'll start with you, man. Everybody, we didn't share all of our answers before this, so you know this is all brand new for us. We'll see uh, if we have any of the same going here, but ultimate game changer for the Gators. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm picking Patrick Tony 
I think the when you really think about the guy who's going to be able to make the difference, going from Todd Grantham to Patrick Tony to me is the game changer in terms of what this defense can be. And you look at the stats in 2020, they were terrible. The stats up front in 2021 against the run were terrible. And if this Florida defense is going to improve, it's going to be against the run. And I think he's going to have to do that with scheme. I don't think that there's a, for against elite SEC teams, I don't think that there's going to be the talent level and the depth to be able to just line up and beat the opposition, which means I think you're going to have to scheme things open. You're going to have to basically, you know, you think about it, 2020 Grantham's defense was bad. 2021, they're just kind of meh. Like they weren't, they weren't fantastic, and there were times where they looked awful. But there were times, you know, against Kentucky and against Missouri and spaces where they kind of looked pretty good. Um, you know, I have my doubts he's going to be able to do that. But if he is able to deliver that sort of performance, if he proves to be a significant, significant upgrade over Todd Grantham, then this is a team that honestly has an opportunity to compete with Georgia and Texas A and M in those games. I'm not saying they're going to beat them, and I'm not saying that they're going to have a record that's better than those teams. But I think you roll the ball out there in October when those games are happening, and you say Florida has an opportunity to win because they have Anthony Richardson on one side and they have Patrick Tony as an upgrade to Todd. Grantham on the other. That to me is why he's the game changer. He's the guy. If his scheme opens things up and covers up some of the holes that Florida has on that side of the ball, I think Florida could be a really good team this year. I'll go with another new face there. This I'll go with another new face this year, Will. But I'm going wide receiver. We keep Pearsall. I think um, he's going to be that game changer at wide receiver. I've already pegged him for over at least 45 catches for the Gators this year. Uh, was killing it early in fall camp with his first looks uh, as a Gator wide receiver. I like what Anthony Richardson can do at quarterback, and I think he's found his weapon with Ricky Pearsall. Hopefully, no stays healthy uh, there, but I do believe he can be that ultimate game changer for the Gators. Now, will best tandem, and you could probably go running back room in some combo, but here we go. I'm going off the beaten path. I'm going Kingsley Egwakon and Osiris Torrance at center and right guard. I do think Florida has a lot of strength there up front. Kingsley impressed me so much as a first-year player at center last year. Osiris Torrance, all his accolades speak for themselves. There was a reason Florida had to go get him. There was a reason he followed Billy Napier to, to, to Florida. You know, he didn't have to go start over in a new system. He, he knows this system. He's going to pick up right where he left off. Uh, I think we like this, you know, starting eight or, you know, starting five for the Gators, maybe now even going eight deep here. But I do believe, you know, looking at a tandem here, I know a lot of times we go skill player right here, but I'm going up front with the offensive line because I think Florida's really going to use these two guys to go pick up a lot of yardage in the run game. Oh, that's a great pick. I wish I'd picked the offensive lineman. I should, <laughs> except if I was going to do it, it would have been Ethan White because I love my, I yep. love me some Ethan White. But now my best tandems were Shard Torrance and Trevez Johnson. I, I think these guys were really good last year, particularly Torrance. Um, and the Gator secondary was really the only thing that saved him at times. And safety play is always a key to allowing your defensive blacks to play press coverage and not worry about issues on the back end. And, and I was kind of thinking about it. The LSU game, there were a couple of plays right after turnovers where Max Johnson was able to hit some, some plays down the middle for touchdowns. But other than that, when was the last time a receiver ran free against the Florida defense last year? Maybe you'd say Samford, but I wasn't paying much attention during that game, to be honest with you. But, but you know, I, the, the, the real in real SEC play, the only time I could really remember somebody just getting – completely behind the defense and it looking embarrassing was when Hendon Hooker hit Javante Payton for that 75-yard touchdown over Mordecai McDaniel, where it looked like McDaniel didn't even move. Um, and and so McDaniel obviously not there anymore. Torrance and Johnson 
are guys who I think were trusted last year to do their job. And now with all the 4D talk and all the talk about doing your job and all the talk about being in the right spot and all that sort of stuff, I expect both of these guys to take a step up, particularly because when you look at guys who make all SEC teams, when you look at guys who make all American teams, it's almost always three years after their recruiting class that those guys really, really come into their own. It's one of the reasons why when Nick Saban said that his team was early last year when they won the SEC and made it to the national championship, I was sitting there sort of like chuckling, but I'm like, yeah, he's right. Bryce Young was from that 2019 class. A bunch of the guys on that offensive line were from the 2019 class. Alabama's going to be awesome because they got a bunch of guys from that 2019 class who were stepping up or 2020 class who were stepping up. And Johnson and Torrance are from that same class, that 2020 class. And this is the year you'd expect them to take a step forward. And given how well they played last year, I think we can really be excited about what they're going to bring. Yeah, uh, Trey Johnson had some turnovers uh, this fall camp. So uh, looking, hopefully, that he can continue that. Uh, right here, let's keep going. Breakout player, Will. This kind of goes back to your preseason magazine. I read and reaction. I put Tyreek Sapp in that as my breakout player. Picking up right where he left off in the spring game, uh, of course, I think he's going to look one of Mullen's highest recruits uh, there for 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 uh, uh, Dan Mullen and his recruiting. As much as we you know get to criticize it, Sap being one of the guys that he had to get, one of the best defenders as far as recruiting rankings go on this roster. So Tyreek Sap, uh, I, I think he, he's ready. Will uh, and. Uh, very deep room there, but I think he's going to lead the way. Very, He might even be versatile. He might even be playing some defensive tackle at times uh, for the Gators, but I think he picks up right where he left off in the spring game, just causing havoc. Well, so my pick's a little bit off the beaten path, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, so Napier obviously favors tight ends, and there's been a lot of talk about Dante Zanders. But the thing I can't get out of my head is a couple of years ago in 2020 when Florida fell down 14 to nothing to Georgia, and the play that really bought, brought them back was a throw over the middle from Kyle Trask to Keon Zipper where he just manhandled Georgia's defense on the play. And if that guy can show up on a more consistent basis with tight ends being an emphasis in the Napier offense, that's who I'm going with as a breakout player. I think you know you look at Florida's offense and you say the tight ends are going to have to be a big part of it. You look at the tight ends who have the most physical skill, and Zipper is one of those guys. And I mean, look, he was playing behind Kyle Pitts. I don't think you can blame him there. And even Kamari Gamble turned into a really, really good player. And so is he going to have the opportunity? He's going to have the opportunity to step up. I think he's shown he has the physical skills to step up. We haven't heard a ton, or at least I haven't heard a ton about him as the camp has gone on. But I just keep going back to what Napier wants to do relies on having two guys on the field, two tight ends on the field. And he's the guy who's physically skilled and able to do that. And so I think you know whether he's a breakout and has 40 catches or not, I think when we look back on the season, we're going to see a couple of really key plays where Zipper's athleticism and made a major difference in the outcome of a game. And I'm excited to see whether he's able to able to step up and do that. Man, yeah, I hope that's the case there. Uh, no respect. I'm going to go uh, – here we go. That's the This will be the last one. I'm going to go where I went last year, Will. I'm going to go Britton Cox again here for the Gators. Healthy, healthy this year. I still don't think he gets a, a lot of the respect for going out there and giving it his all last year, whereas you know, living in the backfield toward the end of the year last year versus FSU, UCF – uh, there, Britton Cox, I hope he picks up where he left off uh, there at the end of last season. But also, I've heard he's just been a monster in camp, maybe the best player overall in defense uh, th- th- this past fall camp there is Britton Cox. So um, I know their YouTube chat, 
you know, Q Lee, not a big fan, but he's in here every week uh, watching us on Gators Breakdown. A lot of you are. Thank you so much. But no, not a big fan there of Brenton Cox, but kind of going to why I label him. Uh, no respect. Can he finally live up to that five-star status? Can he finally you know, play and be an all-around player uh, there for, 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 for the Gators? Yes, he's going to have to get better in run support. That's going to be one, one reason he came back. One reason he came back. and didn't He would have got drafted last year, but he'd been a late, late draft round. Uh, you know, late draft pick. This is money year for Brenton Cox. This is what he you know, came back for. He's going to have to show that he's more than just going back there and getting uh, a sack for this Gator defense. I believe he will. I believe he'll show some nice things this year. Hopefully, 100% healthy for the whole season. Absolutely. I hope so. I want, I want to see him dominate. But uh, the guy I'm going with is Justin Shorter. I think you know you, you look you look at him. Eighty-one career catches, forty-one last year when he was asked to step into a larger role with with Pitts and and Tony leaving. Um, I think you look at his profile; he's really similar to Trevon Grimes or any of those receivers who were contributors but not necessarily stars when they had a bunch of guys out there. And now with Copeland gone and with Pearsall coming in, who plays a completely different position than he does, really. Um, he's going to have an opportunity on the outside. And there were a lot of times last year where I feel like Shorter was open and he just, the ball could not get to him. Either Emory Jones wasn't willing to take the shot or he took the shot and he overthrew him. And I think you look at his stats, you know, last year, 41 for 550, 13.4 yards per attempt or yards per catch. But I think that's misleading because let's say he'd gotten three more at, 60 yards per well all of a sudden he's an elite wide receiver coming back right just for three different catches if the quarterback's able to put the ball there on the money i think anthony richardson is going to be able to do that um i think you know obviously shorter was just like cox he was a five-star commit coming in one of those transfers where we said hey mullen's getting these five-star guys in the transfer portal let's see what they can do and it's taken him a little while to develop and certainly there have been some guys in front of him and i think the expectation at florida and it's completely unreasonable but the expectation at florida is when you have a five-star wide receiver come in he's going to be percy harvin and that's just not realistic. But his stats aren't too far off from LSU's Terrace Marshall, who was from that 2018 class too. His his junior year, he had 48 catches for 731 yards, so 15.2 yards per attempt or yards per catch there in 2020. So Shorter has not lived up to expectations clearly of what a five-star guy you kind of expect to see from him. He's not a surefire first-round pick or anything like that, but I don't think he's that far away from it. And from the standpoint of respecting what he brings to the organization and what he brings to that wide receiver position – you know, I talked earlier for a different for a different part part about floors, floors and ceilings. And I think at wide receiver, we know what the floor is. And one of the reasons the floor is where it is is Justin Shorter. And I think you have to respect that he brings that level of stability to the wide receiver room. Now, obviously, we want to see more than that. We want to see him excel. It'd be great if he averages 17 or 18 yards per reception this year, and he's a big deep threat for Anthony Richardson. But I think just the stability of knowing – I can pencil him in for 45, 46, 47 catches this year, most likely, and six or 700 yards and say he's going to be an effective part of the receiving core. I think there's immense value to that, and I'm not sure people give him the respect that he deserves for that because of his ranking when he came in. Yeah, I think, I think we kind of look at that the same way. Two five-stars <laughs> transfers that come in. Uh, not a lot of respect there, but partly because you know they've, they've they got they got to live up to it. I think you know a lot of it is – they are five stars. They haven't lived up to that five star status. This is the last chance for those guys to kind of live up to that billing. And if they both do, you know, Florida's going to be a pretty good team this year there under first year head coach Billy Napier. So, all right, well, there we go. That wraps it up. Our over unders, our superlatives going into the season. We'll take a look back at them uh, at, at when the season ends. 
I know you put out a new article this morning at readreaction.com, kind of a, you know, a look ahead for the Gators and why they should be better than fourth in the East. Yeah, my writer's block has finally given way now that the season's coming up. I got tired of writing about writing the same story about recruiting over and over and over again. And 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 quite honestly, my son has travel baseball and that just occupied all my time this summer. But it, I'm back. I've, I've I've beaten the writer's block. So we got a bunch of stuff coming up this week, actually. So we had we have the article you mentioned looking at the SEC. It's a full SEC preview. So looking at why Auburn, I think, is 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 very underrated by the writers, as well as Florida being underrated as well. Why Kentucky is probably overrated when you look at the advanced statistics got an article coming out tonight that's going to be talking about specifically will or nick and i's uh picks and sort of the things we're looking for this season a new episode of stand up and holler coming out you were one of our guests there on stand up and holler that's gonna be coming out on the youtube channel and then obviously i'm um, coming up on wednesday gonna have the uh the utah preview so if you're interested in looking at the stats from last year what's going to translate what won't probably a little bit of film study as well and a little look i've gotten some help from somebody else um jd crouch has helped me out a little bit with some statistics when it comes to napier and what he did last year against texas and how aggressive he was and and just play by play what he did in that Texas game. And I think we could probably learn a lot about what kind of what kind of aggressiveness or lack of aggressiveness we're going to see from Napier when he goes out in that Utah game. I've talked a lot about him trying to take the air out of the ball a few times tonight. I think there's some evidence there in that Texas game that that's going to be a strategy, or at least it was last year. And so going to be looking at that in the context of the Utah game and uh, figuring out whether Florida can pull this one out. Sounds good. A lot coming up there for Will at readreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSCC. Uh, coming up late uh, later this week on Gators Breakdown Utah Preview as well, probably releasing on Wednesday. I'll bring a guest over from their side to give us a preview of the Utes. As I mentioned, a Q&A episode on Gators Breakdown Plus as well. And if I'm feeling up to it, we'll see how good I feel <laughs> later on this week. If I even have a voice left, uh, maybe a spaces, Twitter spaces later this week as well as we'll get those back in the swing of things here on Gators Breakdown as the season kicks off on Saturday. So, Will, man, thank you much. Uh, I know we're both looking forward to Saturday. Uh, I'm ready to see you in person and not on the computer screen again uh, for the first time in a while. So it should be should be a whole lot of fun. Absolutely, buddy. This past weekend, I, I had the soda out, and my son and I were practicing thunder. So he's, uh, he's going to be ready to go when we get to the tailgate, buddy. Awesome, awesome. So, for Will Miles, you can find him on Twitter, Will Miles SEC. One more time, read the stuff at readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.